0: Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up
1: with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. The headlights on both teams.
2: Welcome, folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Jennifer Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Kayleen Scott. Hey there, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. You're, you're joining us from the, uh, the Scott Ranch Studios, right?
3: <laughs> the kitchen table.
2: <laughs> Why, should we call it the Ponderosa Studios, or is that already <laughs> taken by somebody? I don't know. i like scott ranch ponderosa
3: (laughs) i just have a hard time calling it a ranch or a farm i just i don't know what to call it it's our place
2: (laughs) you know what call it aspirational um whatever you want if you if you want to call it a ponderosa we will call it that if you want (laughs) to call it a ranch we'll call it that too All right, so the calendar says it's September, so it can officially be fall. No, it's not. Summer is not
3: over until the 21st. (laughs) It's
2: not fall yet. (laughs) Look, look, summer gets three months, June, July, and August. Fall gets three months, September, October, November. (laughs) The
3: first day of autumn is September 22nd, so I'm not going to recognize until then. So you do whatever you want to do.
2: She goes into fall and winter kicking and screaming every single year. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, you are a summer, you are a summer child. So I understand. Although your birthday's in fall. Why don't you like fall? I just don't. (laughs) I like
3: long days. I like it being light out until nine o'clock and not dark at seven. I don't like that because if it's dark at seven and I'm sitting in my recliner, I'm asleep by eight o'clock. And that does not work because I'm awake at four
2: o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Speaking of which, um, yeah, last night the fellow and I were watching a movie on, on TV and it's one of those that I love, uh, galaxy quest. I know I'm a complete dork, but I, I think it's hilarious. It's one of Tim Allen's finest, you know, comedic things. And, um, I like that movie, right? I I reached to cover up with my coma blanket, and the next thing I knew, it was midnight. The movie was long done. He had gone to bed, and I was still on the couch drooling. (laughs) So when I say it's the coma blanket, it really is a coma blanket. (laughs) No, but seriously, I had my first pumpkin spice uh, coffee the other day on September 1st, as is my tradition. And uh, I believe this weekend, on Labor Day weekend, I'm going to be going and purchasing pumpkins for the front yard. So he, he, it is fall. And, uh, you know what I love most about fall when I was a kid, Kayleen fall cattle shows, going to the state fair, going to the Kansas junior livestock show. There was just something about fitting a calf when it wasn't 110 degrees outside in the morning,
3: (laughs) but it's still been in the nineties at the state fair.
2: So I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. This is true. Well, uh, this next coming week or so, uh, we're going to start having the Grand Drive Livestock Shows at the State Fair Grounds in Kansas. The Kansas State Fair isn't going to be happening, but the Livestock Shows and the 4-H Exhibitions, um, at least they won't be exhibited, they'll be judged. So at least there's judging going on, and that's good for everybody's record books and for all the hard work that these kids put in, of course. Um, but fall also brings to mind, next week is Cattle U. I can't believe it's actually here. (laughs) Seems like it
3: should have already happened.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes. It was originally, as you folks will remember, we originally had it set for the end of July and uh, COVID-19 threw us a little bit of a curve as far as getting, you know, 250 to 300 of our closest and dearest friends in ranching and and cattle business uh, together under one roof. So uh, we went virtual this year. It is free, and uh, we have got the slate of speakers. I tell you what, Kayleen, if I toot my own horn, it's because we got really great speakers on amazing topics. Um, You spoke with Brandy Buzzard, who is the 2019 uh, uh, NCBA Advocate of the Year. So Brandy's going to be talking about uh, an inspirational message about battles are won in the general's tent. And honestly, we have to plan. You know, out here in, in cattle country, we have got to plan for success and you don't just, you know, fall into success. There's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of people that are involved in that path to success. And and all of that happens in the general's tent. And I think you're going to get a lot from um, her keynote there. And then she's also going to give a presentation on um, that sustainable beef and advocacy. And as we know, sustainability, you've been in on those meetings. That's the key word for, for making sure that we have a market for beef in the next 20 or 30 years. So that'll be interesting. Um, we have Dustin Aaron, who is going to give us two presentations, Kayleen. Dustin is um, hes on the board of directors for the American Gelby Association, and he had uh, some research that he did as a grad student into how does your cow size translate into profitability in your herd? You and I, we've, we've seen uh, stories about bigger is not always better in the herd, right? Yeah. You don't want to have to pay
3: or pay to feed those 1800 pound cows that are only going to raise a 600 pound calf. I mean, there's no need to have them that big. <laughs> a, a fifteen, twelve to fifteen hundred pound cow can raise a pretty decent sized calf, anyway. And her maintenance won't put you in the poorhouse. Yeah, and them. I'm not going to use the term I usually call them, <laughs> <laughs> but it takes just as much to feed a smaller cow as it does a big cow. But sometimes those big cows
2: will eat you out of house and home. Well, and and another one of our speakers, Logan Hoffman, Kayleen, um, he's going to give a presentation on record keeping and accounting for better ranch management. And I know that sounds like a very boring, boring um, topic, but really what his uh, work is doing at, at Colorado State University, they're looking at all of the data points that you collect as a rancher. How much feed does that cow use when she's out on the pasture? And how big was that calf that she weaned? And what did that calf do in the feedlot? If you retained ownership and and you know captured that data, when you gather all those data points, you can start getting a handle on your costs, and you can really realize, you know what? We can make decisions here that reduce our costs and help us have a better bottom line, and it's basically a, having to do with how you're keeping your records, what records you're keeping, and how you're man- making those decisions in your accounting, um, and again. All these speakers, free. <laughs> all you got to do is you know pay attention and, and watch online. Yeah. I think uh, we've also got on the last day. I'm really excited about this one, Kayleen, because um, we'll have Mark Gardner basically our our twelve o'clock hour on on Friday is historic is is a legendary cattleman because we have Mark Gardner from Gardner Angus, who's going to be talking about genomic applications. We have Rick Fort Miller from neogen who's going to also talk about genomics and how you can use those for your business and then we have legendary cattleman dave nichols from iowa and he has been a part of um the very the very beginnings of gathering all of these data points on our herds and how we can use that data to better make decisions that are going to improve our cows going to improve our calves coming off of them and uh He's going to be wrapping us up and giving us a, a good keynote speech. How do we use all of this data and go forward? I tell you what, three of those guys in one room live is something. But getting them on a Zoom call where you can actually ask them questions, holy buckets. <laughs> this is the time to sit around. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? Sit around with your dad and listen to him talk to the other farmers in his, in his circle of friends and talk and listen to what they they complained about and they talked about?
3: Sometimes, but their sessions got a little long and you know how kids are. (laughs) (laughs) They would drown what's on, which would seem, would take forever. So I would lose interest. And my dad liked to go visit Uh the neighbors. He would go on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon and go visit the neighbors. And I fondly remember going to Elmer and Francis Newfer, which their house is actually north of mine. And we'd go up there and they didn't have any kids. So they'd love to have the three of us come and see them. And she always had all kinds of baked goodies. And Elmer had a collection of spurs and all kinds of Western stuff and tractors and all kinds of things that little kids aren't supposed to touch, but he let us touch, put our hands all over them, you know? And so it was, it was good to
2: have people like that, where you could go visit once in a while? You know, when we would take calves to the sale barn in the fall, um, my dad would sit around and we would, it was always an early, early fall morning when we'd start, you know, getting everything ready to go. And, and all of our calves went through the sale barn. We didn't, um, we didn't have any other marketing schemes in in mind. And, and I can remember sale day, uh, those calves would go through the ring And then we would have lunch at the sale barn because mom was there with us too. And she had, you know, she didn't want to go out and fix, (laughs) fix a meal after gathering cattle and loading them up that morning and all. And I can remember sitting in the sale barn cafe with my dad and the, the cattlemen in the area who also had cattle on sale and hearing them speak. And I tell you what, it may not have made, I, I may not have understood what they were talking about when I was that age, but now that I'm older. I realized what a gift that was. Anytime you can sit in and, and listen to people that have some knowledge, that's that's pure gold. Granted, some of the stories they told weren't really age appropriate for an eight-year-old girl, but <laughs> Yeah. Cowboy
3: conversations are kind of like that too. <laughs>
2: Well, we, um, if you folks want to, uh, to catch all of these speakers and many more, we just hit the tip of the tri-tip, as I like to say. Not the tip of the iceberg, the tip of the tri-tip, Kayleen. See what I, see what I did there?
3: <laughs> well, I got you
2: there. <laughs> um, go visit cattleu.net, registration's free, and you can even register in the middle of our Zoom meetings, and we'll get you on as soon as we can. So, Okay, on an unrelated note, Kayleen. Guess what I heard this week? <laughs> There's no telling. Okay, so y'all know how I love Tiger King that that train wreck of a of a mess. I mean, honestly, I I couldn't stop watching. I probably watched it more than I should have. Um, we got word that Tiger King's uh, Carol Baskin is going to be a contestant on Dancing with the Stars this fall, and uh, I'm. I'm just amazed. I'm absolutely amazed. And I, I swear to you, if one of the first songs she dances to is I Saw a Tiger, I'm gonna probably put myself in a coma laughing, Kayleen. I
3: wonder if uh if he what's his name? I forgot his name.
2: Well just call him Tiger King. <laughs> if Tiger King's gonna, gonna watch it in prison. I don't know. Plus his heart, you know. He is uh, he's got a, a mess of trouble around him, of course. He is in prison, but um I just tell you what, folks, don't ask me how I know this, but you can buy five-gallon drums of sardine oil on Amazon and they will deliver them to your house. I'm just saying it's an option. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> what would you do with a five-gallon drum of sardine oil? Well, I'm in pretty, the pretty in good. the regular real world, what would you do? <laughs> Not what in- does anybody <laughs> do with a two thousand dollar tiger
2: <laughs> lord have mercy um good luck to all of the contestants uh, of course but um it's just one more way that i'm pretty certain we are either an apocalypse bingo or jumanji kayleen It is 2020 what what was that meme? um if 2020 was a candle and it was a row of burning out houses <laughs> yep pretty, pretty much, much. 2020
3: So how are you folks doing out there? Drop us a line at hpjtalk at hpj.com and let us know or call us at 1-800-452-7171. And do us a favor and head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Go ahead and leave us a review and thanks. This week's episode will bring you the stories you might have missed in the August 31st print edition. We'll have our final report from the field with our all aboard wheat harvest
2: correspondents. All that, and Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have those final thoughts. Alta Seeds brings you this week's episode. Alta debuted its new iGrowth sorghum line to the U.S. market in its first ever Sorghum Frontiers virtual field day. iGrowth is the world's first non GMO, herbicide tolerant sorghum that's commercially available in the U.S. market, enabling pre or post emergent weed control. Be sure to register for the second Sorghum Frontiers virtual field day to further showcase growth at hpj.com slash sorghumfrontiers. Learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. All right, the calendar says it's September, so you have at least my permission to sip that pumpkin spice in your coffee now. I won't tell. I don't endorse that, whatever. (laughs) And thanks for riding with us here on HPJ Talk. This week's cover story is by Kayleen, Despite the Green, Still plan for Drought Scenarios. Grass and native pastures might still be green now, and cows are munching contentedly on that precious resource, but that green doesn't always last when the rains run out. Cow-calf producers should start thinking about a drought plan even before they're concerned about the amount of rain their pastures are getting. Herd and range management need to be at the top of their list in order to save money and preserve precious forage assets. Simple management techniques could help extend available pasture forage. Justin Wagoner, beef system specialist at Kansas State University's Southwest Area Extension Office in Garden City, spoke during a K-State webinar about drought pressures facing cow-calf producers. He said he gets the impression from producers that decisions can be overwhelming as they begin to think about drought pressuring their forage. Keeping it simple is the key to reducing that stress when balancing forages quality and supply with the needs of the herd. Quote, when I think about drought supplementation, it's not necessarily a normal supplementation situation, he said. So Kayleen, what what else did uh, Justin have to say about um, drought and and our forage capabilities out here? He said you really
3: need to plan before the drought conditions even start appearing, um, you need to be cognizant of energy, their protein needs, and just kind of a whole gamut of the management things that you're supposed to
2: supposed to do when you have cattle out on pasture. Okay. Um, you know, that, that always brings to mind, you know, one of those things when you're checking cattle on pasture is you need to start looking at the forages that are available and that sort of thing. Um, you know, that's one of the things that dad always said, you know, don't just count cows. Keep your eye open about what the, the place looks like out there and, and you know, if there's some things that you can do to mitigate that. So good news all around. Lacey Newland had a story on the inside.
3: APHIS releases new information on unsolicited seeds, a toilet paper shortage, murder hornets, and an unstoppable virus. These were just some of the bizarre topics of 2020. And now that individuals have started receiving unsolicited packages from China containing mysterious seeds, it looks like the vases are loaded. The only question is what will happen next, Lacey writes. As far as the mystery seeds are concerned, the U.S. Department of Bag uh, Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service is working closely with the Department of Homeland Security's Customs and Border Protection and other federal agencies like the U.S. Postal Service and State Departments of Agriculture to investigate the motive and origins of the packages. The exact number of seed packages that have entered the United States is unclear but APHIS officials can confirm that they have received reports from at least 22 states. APHIS has stated its main concern is the potential for these seeds to
2: introduce damaging pests or diseases that could harm U.S. agriculture. I mean, seriously, Kayleen, this, this sounds like a real-life uh, Jumanji scenario. <laughs> but And we we crack jokes about it, but you shouldn't plant seeds that come from someplace and whether they sent them as a as a way to undermine our our security of our plant health and safety right or if they sent it as we get to send this to you um, through amazon and therefore we can use that as a backdoor to uh leave a a, a uh, review quote unquote on this product on amazon so we can boost our review ratings whatever the 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 motive behind it you got to admit, that's kind of weird. <laughs> it's all kind of weird. <laughs> I tell you what, I, you know what? Um, every time I think about this, though, I also think about um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors and <laughs> Audrey 2. Yeah. My mom always gets
3: gardening magazines, and once in a while, they'll send packets of seeds and stuff, and the boys always want to plant them. And I was like, nope, wrong time of year. We're not planting them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, folks, moral of the story, if you or somebody you love or maybe somebody you don't love uh, got packets of those seeds in the mail, A, please do not plant them. B, please do not throw them away in your regular garbage because then they go out in the wild into our, our landfills and cause harm there. And B or C, 3, whatever we're on, um, make sure you call your local Department of Agriculture.
3: On the opinions and editorials page, editor Dave Bergmeier has a column this week Mail Service Essential for Rural America. A letter to the editor comes from Kingman County 4 H'er Sukesh Kamesh, titled COVID and 4 H. Another letter to the editor comes from US Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa,
2: titled Iowa Storm Damages Deserve More National Coverage. Our contributor friend David Murray has a story about additional commodities being added to the CFAP. And Kayleen has a couple of livestock grazing and weather stories. Topics include persisting drought conditions and a tool for range managers called GrassCast.
3: In our exclusive coverage from Sorghum U and Wheat U, I have a story about using forage sorghum for winter livestock feeding needs. You can find more information and the recordings of our Sorghum, and, sorghum U and Wheat U sessions at
2: www.hpj.com/suwu. And Dave has another story about the devastation Iowa farmers are facing in the aftermath of the derecho. His story is titled, One Challenging Season for Corn-Soybean Producers. Check it out in this week's issue. Jenny has a recap of the Kansas Ag Growth Summit held recently,
3: virtually, and this is the last week for the All Aboard Harvest blog post to appear in the paper. Be sure to check those out online at www.allaboardharvest.com.
2: Read on the variety of ag issues facing farmers and ranchers in the print High Plains Journal or look for it online anytime at hpj.com.
3: If you have a response to something you've read or heard, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. We want to hear from you.
1: High Plains Journal's Cattle U has moved to a virtual event during the week of September 7th to 11th. Don't miss your chance to hear from the top names in the cattle industry and learn how you can bring more value to your herd. Sessions will target all segments of the cattle business, from the cow-calf producer to the feedlot manager. For registration details, visit cattleu.net.
3: Time for an update from the field with our all aboard wheat harvest correspondence, brought to you by the Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Underfirst Manufacturing, Agger Seed, Agco
2: Gleaner, and BASF. Well, I am joined today by Brian Jones of Jones Harvesting, and Brian, you are finally back home after a, a long harvest. Brian, we're asking all of our harvesters, what has been the highlight of your season?
1: Well, it is definitely nice to be back home again after uh, being on the road. We just snuck in under 90 days being gone, so we had a long time to be out in the field. And I think the overall thing that stands out most is the the yields that were exceptional um, in every stop that we had. Not always is that because it seems like every year you usually have one state that has some really poor yields. And uh, this year, Oklahoma, once we got started, we had almost no rain delays there, and we had some very nice yields. Once we got into Kansas, very few delays there as well, and uh, I know in Kansas this year we set a record for the most acres harvested in a single day, so some really outstanding productivity there. And uh, then when we went into South Dakota there, we also set a personal record for the most acres harvested in one place, Um, and that a lot was due to our grain cart this year that we had with us that really helped to boost our productivity And uh, it was really odd to see that South Dakota this year, they had spring wheat yields that were virtually identical to winter wheat yields, and overall, it was probably one of the highest yielding averages they've ever seen in South Dakota in recent history. So if you add that all up, we probably harvested almost the most bushels that we've ever had in one summer, and definitely probably the fields overall will average together to probably the highest yield that we've ever seen in uh, over 35 years of harvesting. So. That's pretty exciting for both harvesters and farmers alike.
2: Wow, just wow. So, to give some people some context, um, what is a normal year and what was this record year? Can you tell?
1: Well, I haven't crunched down through all the numbers, I guess, officially there, but I think our South Dakota will have averaged all of our acres probably right at that 70 bushel the acre mark, or maybe a little bit higher than that. I think Kansas was uh, got very close to 60 bushels the acre, and I think we were over 50 bushels the acre in Oklahoma as well. So, some pretty nice yields, um, and, and definitely higher than the averages overall. It is kind of unfortunate for the states of Nebraska and South uh, North Dakota. We didn't harvest any this year in both of those states due to weather delays, and both of those states will have had uh, well below average yields. So it's not everywhere this year that had exceptional uh, exceptional yields. There are definitely some weather concerns, but where we were at, we saw some great numbers. It definitely helps the bottom line for both customers, custom harvesters like myself, and also for farmers, and we're always glad to see that.
2: Well, hey, Brian, this has been a pleasure having you on the podcast um, and, and in our pages of High Plains Journal every week and on the blog at allaboardharvest.com. And folks, remember, go check out Brian's blog, check out his photos. Um, we saw them on uh, Facebook Live this year. So there's a whole host of ways that you can catch up with the harvest if you if you didn't weren't able to follow it along live. Brian, thanks again. Tell your family we said hey and safe travels on down the road, okay?
1: Yes, thanks Jennifer. We appreciate the opportunity to, to share our harvesting story with uh, everyone out there and look for them following along and make sure that everyone checks back one more time to that website. I'm gonna have a wrap-up and review session. It's gonna include some of the best photos from the summer, and some of them are pretty spectacular. So check in and we'll we'll say goodbye officially one more time.
2: <laughs> hey, thanks, Brian. And uh we'll see you on the trail.
1: Sounds great, thank you.
2: Hey everybody, this is Jennifer Latsky, and I've got Janelle Skemper on the line. Janelle, it's been a 2020 for the record books for everybody, I think. Um we talk about that every season, but Uh, We're coming at the end of all aboard wheat harvest. What was the highlight for your year this year?
0: Uh, The highlight, I would say just being super busy. We had, this seemed to be, you know, enough work or plenty of work. So I guess, you know, we didn't know what we would get coming into it, but it has been very busy.
2: Good. You know, busy is good for custom cutters, folks. If they're not busy, then it's not a good year, right?
0: that's right. If we have a full schedule, we feel very blessed. So that was definitely a highlight, just being busy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and right now you're you're cutting canola, right?
0: I am. We're up here in Northeast, North Dakota, up here at Langdon. And we just got on canola today. It's about 8% moisture. Um, the yield goes by pounds, but if I converted it to bushels, it'd probably be making 50 or 60 bushels per acre. Not too shabby, right? Yep, yep, it's a heavy crop, and I think we'll get into even some better stuff, too, so, but we were on wheat before, and it was making, like, crazy good whistles, um, like 80 and 90s. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, well, yeah, but they're, that's typical for this area, they, they, they get a lot of moisture, and most, I'd say nine times out of ten, they get a piece of crop, you know, whereas in the south, you might not get a good crop for years because of the droughts, you know? Mm -hmm. So here it's the, it's a little bit less
2: droughts and more moisture. Well, folks, you might be familiar with canola, um, on the shelves as canola oil on your grocery shelves, right?
0: That's exactly right. It's cooking
2: oil. Yep. And it's a very heart healthy cooking oil. I actually use it when I'm, um, using some oil in the kitchen and my baking and things. And, uh, Canola, when you're harvesting it, it's a little bit different than harvesting wheat, right? You have to do some modifications?
0: It's very different. You can't cut it when it's wet. It has to be dry and it cannot run it through a grain dryer or an air bin. Um, It has to be just dry when you cut it, put it in a a
2: bin that way. And that's mostly because the size of the seed, everybody, is really tiny. Um, You know, when we talk about the size of a mustard seed, that's the size of a canola seed too. Yep, it's tiny and it's black. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Janelle, thanks so much for being part of our All Aboard family this year and and the crew and everything and letting us follow along with you guys on the trail. And uh, good luck. And uh, thanks again.
0: Thank you. I appreciated High Plains Journal and the sponsors and really enjoyed it. So thank you guys.
2: And remember, folks, you can still catch up with Janelle's adventures on the blog at allaboardharvest.com. Hey, we'll see you on the trail, Janelle. Yep. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone for that final update from the trail. And remember, if you want to catch up with all of our all aboard wheat harvest crews and all of the fun that they had this season, visit their blog at allaboardharvest.com and look for their posts in the pages of our High Plains Journal this last week. All aboard wheat harvest is brought to you by Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Univerforth Manufacturing, Agropro Seed, Agco Gleaner and BASF, who remind you that we're all in this together.
3: Your grain market prices from Dodge City's Pride Resources on August 25th. Corn was up at $3.56. Wheat was up at $4.14. Milo was up at $3.76, and soybeans were up at $8.30. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters on our website, wwwhpjcom slash sign up. Simply select the topics that interest you and you'll receive updates on them directly to
2: your email. <laughs> Be sure to watch for our Hay, Forage, and Grazing Technology issue of High Plains Journal in your mailboxes September 7th with a story from Kayleen Scott. And you can always look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Thanks again to Alta Seeds for sponsoring this week's episode. Alta debuted its new iGrowth sorghum line in its first ever Sorghum Frontiers virtual field day iGrowth is the world's first non-GMO herbicide-tolerant sorghum that's commercially available in the U.S. market, enabling pre- or post-emergent weed control. Be sure to catch up the second installment of Sorghum Frontiers at hpj.com sorghumfrontiers to learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. Remember, you can subscribe for
3: free to this podcast at hpj.com podcast. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com.
2: Thanks again, folks, for riding along with us as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman Wyatt Earp once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail.
1: Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country crops far as I can see. The headlights on both teams.